Red Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. We have football to talk about. It is a beautiful first full weekend of college football down south. I'm down here in Kennesaw, and we've got a full house t- today on the Owl Chat Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my usual partner, John Finer, as well as our producer, Nick. And we have a very special guest today, former leading Owls receiver, Will Hagler. Will, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Very glad to have you. So, we, uh, like I said, we've got football to talk about. Uh, Tusculum game happened Thursday, um, as of this recording, two days ago. Um, John, I know you were watching on TV, talk to me about kind of your perspective and your mood going into the game during the game and after the game. Yeah. So my thoughts going into the game, you know, wasn't, you know, I was, I'm excited because it was the opener. Wasn't excited because it's Tusculum. Um, you know, the first play, you know, when I started watching the game, it was that unforced turnover, you know, I was excited, but also just not excited because I'm like, okay, here we go again. Owls are going to win by 80, you know, in a way that's great, but it didn't turn out that way. And, you know, the first half just was anything but exciting. Um, Just a lot of blunders. Uh, The offense wasn't moving, but then the second half happened. I think players got more comfortable. Um, I think Tusculum wore down. Owls showed their depth a little, even with the, the roster, Owls showed their depth a little bit more and we got things going. So I was, I was happy after the second half. Um, What did, what about you, Kai? Yeah, um, I was up in the press box. It was cool to see the crowd that showed up, um, as we'll probably touch on a little bit later. Uh, officially a record-breaking crowd of over 10,000. Um, took a while for them to file in. Yeah, I think there were about 5,400 students, something like that. And uh, a big majority of that, I think, was the freshman class who they do this freshman runout thing now where anybody who enrolled this year, you know, wears a jersey and runs <laughs> out onto the field before the game. And uh, just sitting up in the the box watching it, it was it was weird because it was like they wouldn't stop coming. It was just probably two minutes straight of kids running out the tunnel, and you're like, man, we are we're letting too many people into this school. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so, saying yeah. that for years, Kai. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. I'm the one who has to deal with it now. Um, well, let's up the admission standards, but that's a story for another day. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, Will, what about you, man? What are you, what were your uh, first impressions, first thoughts? So I got to watch the game in person. Um, I was amongst the students at first, and then we kind of moved over and watched um, from behind the sideline. And um, overall, I, I thought it was – it felt kind of record-breaking. You know, uh, it's it's definitely um, a good thing that we're seeing a, a large surplus of uh, students, especially freshmen, you know, start to come to the games because I think that that powers and, and really creates an atmosphere that um, – I mean, you can see it you know, first play, they they fumbled, a, I think it was a toss or a give, and, you know, that's huge. Now, um, you know, I wish we could have capitalized off of that, especially um, in the first minute of the game. But, um, you know, just from a perspective of, of being a, a viewer, um, I really liked the atmosphere, and I thought um, they did a lot of fun things um, besides the game just to keep, you know, people interested in the the spectacle of a football game. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, definitely got to come back for some more. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And uh, before we, you know, 
uh, unless Kai has something to piggyback off that, I want to make sure we get Nick's thoughts. Totally. Yeah. And Nick, this might be a good place for you to jump in, but I thought it was really cool to see the sense of urgency that the athletic department had with promoting this game. I mean, they really, really tried on campus and even outside of campus just to get people to come out to the game and it worked. Um, you know, that being said, it's going to be even more interesting to see if that level of promotion continues throughout the year, especially two weeks from now when we got a team like Furman who uh, could come in and beat us at home. Um, so, it, you know, attendance and general attention is going to be a really fun and interesting thing to watch throughout this season. 100%. And I think it's even funnier because obviously the beginning of the game, there were some miscues going on and a lot of us over on the band side are like, Wow, they got a huge crowd for this game. This is this is really something. I really hope that this turns out the way we want it to with this size of a crowd. It, I mean, I think the it was the Banana Boys put out a phenomenal video, and I, I ended up reposting it. And it was a great recap. It was like some cut from American Dad, and it was like he smacks the dad, and the next thing you know, like the dad just hits him with the chair, and that was the thirty-eight points that we put up after they scored that touchdown. So I was like. It, it, it kind of tied everything together. I was like, that's. <laughs> I, I saw that. It was tremendous. And I retweeted that as well. If you scroll my timeline um, from, you know, after the game, you'll be able to find that post there. So I, I laughed on that one. So it got me. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would like to talk about as a bit of a uniform enthusiast is, although I think we did look good in gray to start the year, um, John, as you pointed out, and I didn't notice this watching in person, but you certainly did. Uh, we still have the A Sun patch on our jerseys. <laughs> what's what's going on there? Well, a couple people pointed it out to me, and at first I'm like, I don't really care. But then I'm like, you know what? Screw the A Sun. Um, and then I'm like, you know what? This is something to talk about. This seems fun. So I tweeted a picture of it. I put in big red box, you know, the patch so everybody could see it on Murphy's jersey. I'm like, what do you guys want to see there? And I said, serious and non-serious answers. And I saw some, you know, I saw some great stuff. You know, I saw, you know, my favorites were probably a picture of Plank. Um, so I don't know if that would have some uh, Time Warner, Cartoon Network or whatever. Um, push back on that one. But uh, the KFC Big Chicken for Marietta. Is another one I enjoyed. Um, the Conference USA logo. Um, a more realistic answer that I saw was, you know, get some funding in there. Find out who wants to pay for it and get their logo on there. Like the Braves with the ugly quickcrete patch. I mean, if we're going to have an ugly A-Sun patch, we might as well make some money off of it. And perhaps my favorite was sent to me this morning. Um, the account was private, so I don't think anybody can really see it. But rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett. But some kind of Jimmy Buffett inspired uh, tribute. Maybe Margaritaville a logo. Maybe a cheeseburger. There you go. A cheeseburger, since it's circular, it says cheeseburger in paradise. Rest in peace, or something like that. Would be great. We're uh, we're independents now. We don't have to follow our rules, right? That's right. We're rebels. Anyways, everyone, everyone always forgets. Oh, sorry. I was say everyone no. always forgets Jimmy Buffett graduated from KSU. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right before that. Ryan Seacrest. He, he, he was there a few years earlier. Notable, notable alumni on the Wikipedia page, Ryan Seacrest, of course. Yes, it's a, it's a game here. If you guys are new at um, the Owl Chat podcast, he did not actually graduate from KSU. I think he attended UGA, but it's it's one of those false things that shows up everywhere online. And all the announcers on the various sports and various teams, they get thrown by that. So every time somebody mentions that, it's like, a like okay, take a drink. Let's report it. They got fooled by the Seacrest gag. <laughs> I remember watching the uh, Central Arkansas basketball game last year with their announcing crew. 
Um, and just never hearing the end of Ryan Seacrest and Scotty Pippen, because apparently those are the only two notable individuals from Scotty Pippen. Okay. Scotty Pippen University, Central Arkansas. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mike, Michael Jordan's son is uh, is really on that. Um, but that's a story for a different day. If y'all aren't keeping up, I would Google that, that one. We'll stay out of that one on the OCP today. Anyways, uh, yeah, we do have a game to talk about. Um, John, I know you were tracking um, guys who played and didn't play uh, to the best of your abilities. Um, so if you want to run through just kind of what you had on who, you know, you didn't see on the field uh, in terms mm. of who might be redshirting, because I know, you know, there's a plan in place for that. Uh, you can go right ahead. Yeah, um, I honestly, the first half was kind of a blur to me, number one, because it was so freaking boring. I'm not going to lie because we weren't playing well. But number two, um, I was paying so much attention to, okay, you know, who's on the line, who's here, who's active, who's not. And I'm talking not just on the field. I'm looking at the sidelines, who's dressed, who's not dressed, trying to track numbers. Um, You know, obviously our top two running backs were Benefield and Clemens, which was on the depth chart. Our offensive line, uh, JT Pennington, transferred from Jacksonville State, was out with an injury, I believe. So he was out at one of the guard spots. Um, Al Hogan was playing right guard. Uh, James Dawson uh, shifted into the lineup. I believe he was originally on the second string on the depth chart. Uh, But again, like me and Kai mentioned, those things change, right? Um, Coach even mentioned, you know, some people that were first string on the depth chart on Tuesday or on Monday when it came out on game day, their second strings, things change. But we had uh, Nathan Wright at left tackle, Al Hogan, right guard, um, Terrell Paxton, left guard, and we had uh, Deron Willis at right tackle, who's kind of, uh, you know, he's been on the roster a while, but he's always been a walk-on. Um, we had our usual suspects. Most pay- most people from the depth chart uh, did play in the game, but we also had a bunch of uh, people that I noticed did not play, and we're probably talking at least 10 people that are, you know, either, either proven or likely, you know, veteran impact guys. So before any, you know, all the chicken littles were saying, oh, my God, we should be crushing these guys in the first half. You know what? Maybe that's true. But, you know, it's first game, new system, new offensive and defensive coaches. And we didn't have, you know, to my knowledge, Baron Hobson, uh, who's a new linebacker, I think is going to make a big difference. Uh, Juan Silas, another linebacker who was great last year, is going to make a big difference. Same with Garland Benyard, another linebacker. So I'm talking three linebackers right off the bat. We're probably going to get a bunch of playing time. Then you have Adam Watkins, a defensive tackle who was out with injury. Big Carlos Allen, who's definitely going to play. Chance Gamble, who's been one of Coach's favorites in press conferences. You can tell by who KSU throws out there. Gabriel Benyard, a wide receiver, electric returner. Did I didn't see him play. And then, you know, that's just that's just off the top of my head, guys. You you've got probably more guys than that that we don't know are good players because they, you know, they're either transferred in, new, haven't proven themselves. So um, I'm very interested to see who else is, uh, you know, going to step in and uh, ball out next week. Yeah. And uh, to my knowledge, John, you are the only one who keeps track of this stuff. So this is exclusive content here. I know there was there was a list of 40 inactive players um, that was not disclosed to me before the game, but it was disclosed to the people next to me. So I know it existed. I don't know exactly who was on that list. I know uh during the week we only had three players out due to injury so yeah uh good stuff keeping track of it uh if you want to i'm sorry quay ashley uh, for those keeping track that would be uh quay ashley adam watkins and jt pennington and uh jahan myers the defensive lineman is out for the year i believe it's a leg injury but that's all i know 
There you go. Um, you started to touch on the offense a little bit. Um, I want to get Will's first impression, um, you know, because he was in the previous system, just this system versus, you know, what he played in, uh, what stands out. Um, what did you see out there, Will? So um, to start off, you know, they they definitely um, just backed Murph up a little bit. Um, it's not, you know, too different, but um, I will say, I saw a lot more kind of deceitful pre-snap moves. Um, you saw the tight end kind of motion over a few times and, um, you know, they hit him on a slip. And um, I also saw that little motion they would uh, have the running back do. And I think they they'd go draw or like a counter off of that. Um, just things like that. I, I really like seeing because, um, you know, though it, I didn't see them do too much in the run game outside of Murph, but, um, you know, things like that just take time. Um, like uh, John said earlier, I mean, up front, that's where the battle is going to be won. So, um, you know, with time, I think that those will look a lot cleaner and, and they'll definitely um, rely kind of on those plays that we saw. Um, there's there's definitely a lot more they can do with that offense. That's just, you know, from my opinion, um, but I, I think what we saw out there um, was a lot of what's going to be their base plays moving forward, um, first and 10, maybe, you know, third and one, um, really trying to get what, um, get a get a feel for how they move, you know, in game with these plays. So, um, you know, moving forward, they're going to pull a lot of things out of the, you know, rat, the, <laughs> the little hat, but, um, you know, the, today or Thursday, it was just kind of, what can we run successfully? And um, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely worked. <laughs> Was it good to see uh, your fellow receivers get more looks? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, shout out to all the guys out there, man. Um, definitely love seeing more quick slants thrown. And um, I think they tried to, you know, a lot with the, the spot concepts and, and quick things, but um you know, that, like I said earlier, it just takes time and, you know, you got to get a feel for it. Um, it's the first game. You got those nerves out there. Haven't played in front of a crowd since last season. So um, that's, that's you know, almost to be expected. But, um, you know, I, I think moving forward, the passing game will look a lot cleaner. And um, a lot of those quick passes they're going to utilize just to get guys in the game and, and get the ball in their hands, essentially. Right. John, I know you and I are not, you know, great offensive minds, but uh, what were your first impressions? A lot of people have said I'm very offensive. Um, <laughs> so I, I disagree on that. Um, but my my thoughts on the offense, you know, I, I still think the offensive line is a very big question mark for this team. Um, you know, even though we don't know who played and who didn't, I, I think the offensive line is going to be one of those positions that's very similar going forward, as we saw today, as opposed to the linebackers that I mentioned, could be completely different. Um, so it kind of worried me that we weren't getting, you know, tons of push, uh, tons of protection for Murphy, you know, in the first half. But again, it's too early to really worry. But, um, you know, as they mentioned on TV, I think, you know, Tusculum gets like 36 scholarships and they're not even using them all. So that is, you know, the games are won in the trenches. Um, everybody knows that. I think everybody can agree with that. Um, you know, we're moving guys around like Al Hogan, I think was like a center at Wofford. I saw him move. He was started at guard. I think he moved to center to kind of finish it up because we might see him there, you know, later on once Pennington is back. So I think it's just getting the chemistry down on the offensive line. Uh, we need some leadership there, as Coach Bohannon said in the press conference. That's my biggest worry on the on the offense. 
I am completely with you. Um, it felt like Murphy was running for his life at times. Um, and, you know, as Bo said earlier, uh, there's a lack of leadership or something going on. Maybe it's, uh, you know, just a combination of a bunch of guys who haven't played together. You got a couple of transfers in there. Hopefully they gel over the season. Um, Bo also said that they were surprised by the size of Tusculum up front. Um, they had some big dudes up there and, you know, D2, D1, D3, whatever you are, you know, that <laughs> you got a guy who's 360 coming up the gut at you, you know, it's going to be tough to get in the way. So, yeah. And just because these guys are D2 doesn't mean, you know, they, they're just, you know, they can't play like D2 is still a lot of these big dudes are probably on scholarship. Cause you know, you probably have to, you know, pay more, you know, use those scholarships on the lines I'm guessing, whereas, you know, maybe you can find some undersized contributors at wide receiver that, you know, that'll walk on like, you know, us with Josh Williamson and so forth. So those might be the money position. So I wouldn't, I'm not going to bury the offensive line yet. It's a new system, new offense. They're doing their best, but you know, I definitely saw, I believe Nathan Wright in the trail position on one play as Murphy gets uh, slammed early on, you know, we, we do need to, you know, shore up there. And I think, I think it'll get better. Yeah. Speaking about who they're protecting, let's talk about uh QB one, Jonathan Murphy had a, uh, a really, really nice stat line. Um, so, yeah, Will, I know you played with Jonathan. Uh, talk to me about what you saw from him. Yeah, so Murph, man, I, I was really, um, really impressed by what he did out there, um, not only running the ball, but just kind of controlling the offense. Um, I think there was a catch. Uh, didn't didn't get the, the feet in bounds, but um, to see him make those type of plays where, you know, the first read isn't there, but he can kind of keep it alive just long enough to, you know, get a, a essentially a really big gain. Um, obviously, we got to work on getting our feet down in, inside the lines. But outside of that, I think Murphy really, um, really ran the offense smoothly, um, didn't panic by any means, um, you know, and, and ultimately uh, did his job um, and to a high level at that. So, um, you know, really, really good game. Stat line is, is just, you know, a, a testament to that and, um, he's, you know, going to for sure be the QB one for the you know rest of the season, in my opinion. Right. No, and, like, I, I was going to say, it looked like he was having a lot of fun out there and uh, we'll get exactly. back to, we'll get back to QB two in a second, who also had a nice moment. Um, but yeah, uh, I think he definitely showed the difference between D one and D two on that one touchdown run. Um, but that was a really fun play to watch. So. Oh, that's definitely what I tweeted out basically word for word after that touchdown run. Uh, you know, Murph showed, you know, showed why he's, you know, you don't find players like that probably too often at the D2 level. Um, but just to piggyback on what Will said, that that throw, I think it was uh, Williamson. Um, he might have gotten his feet down. I mean, these aren't even A-Sun refs this year. These are, I think, Bohannon noted, these might be MIAC refs. So, yep. and, oh, you know, wow. there's... There's going to be no camera that's probably good enough to overturn anything like that, even if we have replay, which I don't know. So, we did. You know. I will. I will say okay. that the play actually <laughs> happened right in front of me on the sideline when I was over there, it was and it, it was right there. It was so close. Like even uh, like I mean, it happened so fast. But I want to say that because uh, I think he was catching it over the shoulder, kind of like in in that way, like where his front of his body was still facing the end zone and i think his right foot was out right before his left foot hit in oh. so i do think it was the right call but uh like it was it was quick it happened very very fast you find this kind of honesty on the owl chat podcast we are not just homers fellas we tell you the <laughs> truth whether we like it or not 
you know, I think all in all, it was a pretty well officiated game. Uh, they bailed us out once. Uh, there was a pretty obvious offside call on one of the um, interceptions that we made that just was not called. So, you know, maybe a little bit of home cooking here and there. There was also that one like touchback that probably wasn't a touchback or no, it was the, uh, the ball that was pinned on the one when, uh, you know, I, I know Nick, you were probably right in front of that one too. I don't know if oh you had a better gosh. angle. So I was yelling at the officials because I mean that, I mean, they pinned us at the one once, but then the time that time when they did his feet were in the end zone. And I know, I don't know exactly how the rules work at the college level, but my understanding is if your body, if your feet are touching the end zone or any part of your body's touching the end zone and you touch the ball, it's a touchback. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a touchback and then they left it at the one. I'm like, Whoa. So that, that did confuse me a little bit, but I was like, I'm like, at the end of the day, like we were, I think we were starting to get control of ourselves at that point. So I'm like, uh, it, we're, we're in good hands. Right. Yeah. Right. And I did make it right on the rule. Yeah. I did make a joke right after that. I was like, Oh, you know, being pinned inside the one, this is a great time to run the option out of the gun. You know, this is what this offense <laughs> is made for. Absolutely. I, I do have some stuff on Murphy though, that I wanted to get to um, that I don't think was mentioned enough. Assuming this is correct. I got the information from, uh, Kennesaw's own website. So if this is incorrect, blame KSUowls.com, not me. Um, Murphy's 219 passing yards, I believe. That set his own record, which is previously 167 against Monmouth in 2021. His 12 uh, completions personally uh, passed his own record of 11 versus Wofford last season. Um, and he tied his mark for most touchdown passes in a game from uh, Charleston Southern game, I think in 2021. And the touchdown pass to Blake Bohannon tied his previous long of 55 uh, from the uh, Bob Morris game in 2021. So, you know, this new offense is allowing us to set new records, um, which is kind of like BS records in a way because it's so different. And we're going to get to Carson Kent later on the tight end scene. So don't worry. It was funny because, you know, the athletic department makes a big deal of keeping a track of all this stuff. So being up in the box and having the stat people next to me, they were all over all this stuff the entire night. So we were only four yards short of the most passing yards in a season opener. Um, I think we were about 60 yards short of the all-time passing record, which is 312 in 2015 against Shorter, I want to say. So um, one kind of cool record that's, you know, a product of the system change, but not a BS record is uh, we had eight receivers catch a ball on Thursday night, which is the first time that's ever happened in Kennesaw state history. So uh, a lot of change, a lot of good stuff. I think we can break that one too, with how many guys like went in out of a, at least, you know, of a, Bo- of a Bohannon or of a Klonakis offense. Absolutely. I mean, you get the same thing, you know, next week, but maybe Josiah Clemens catches a ball out of the backfield and then, you know, records broken. Maybe we do a trick play on the punt. There we go. Uh, we were uh when that game was tight we were all hoping uh to see a fake punt um (laughs) you know one of those like fourth and three on the opponent's 40 situations but then it's like i feel like faking a punt against a d2 opponent is like stealing a base when you're up by eight you know so sometimes hey sometimes you need that uh (laughs) but no um you know that's a good point you know bohannon did punt when we were at what our own like 40 or something like that it was fourth and three and you know he's known to be aggressive but you can always tell how he feels about his offense and i guess i guess in conjunction with that his defense too plays a part into the decision but you know we did punt on that fourth and three so you can tell it's you know if our offense is where coach bo wants it to be he's going for that well something important to note is also we have a pretty good punter now so 
Hewitt yeah. had a Hewitt had a great night. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do we redshirt our punter boys? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the real questions. I mean, you oh. joke about it, but it's like you know, <laughs> these special teamers. We'll get to Cummins in a bit, but uh, these special teamers are guys you want to have around. Absolutely. So yeah. That being all said, uh, you alluded to Carson Kent and the uh, newly mm-hmm. founded, mm-hmm. young but exciting to quote Coach Bohannon, uh, tight end room. Um, Will, I know you played on a team where the tight end was an abstract concept. So uh, how did it feel to see Carson Kent, you know, running up the seam, catching balls? Preston Daniels had a nice catch there at the end. Uh, what yeah. was that like? So, I mean, it's it's always kind of an advantage when you have big guys who can kind of move. And I think, um, you know, what they're starting to, you know, maybe realize or, or implement into their daily, you know, practice scheme is is the use of, you know, bigger guys and, and just getting them the rock. And however far they may be from the line of scrimmage, it doesn't matter. Just letting them carry whoever, whatever down the field. And I mean, it worked. So um, my, my biggest concern uh, would be once, you know, you start to play better opponents, maybe that cornerback sits and, you know, you really got an exposed tight end. But, um, you know, just off the top of my mind, I mean, Carson Kent, you know, he was dragging people, you know, down the field. So outside of, um, you know, a really aggressive corner or a really good defensive back group, um, you know, I think that's going to be a really good play and, and kind of scheme just to get him out of some, you know, bad situations. Um, you saw, I don't know how many catches he had, but, you know, when the ball was in his hands, he he didn't go down on first contact. And that's what you love to see, so. Yeah, I thought Carson Kent looked very fluid out there, you know, just catching the ball, running up the field in the same motion, you know, not clumsy with it. You know, you, you can just kind of tell by looking at someone like, you know, this guy can play. And that's yeah. kind of my first, you know, I heard great things about Carson Kent, you know, just from talking to people with secondhand relations from the team, that kind of thing that he was a guy to look out for, but it's great that we got to see it. And, um, you know, Carson Kent, man, he set, he set records. Uh, I, I made a somewhat, um, you know, parody post. I don't know the right word for it where, you know, he broke our all time tight ends, um, (laughs) receiving yards, Mark receptions in a game, Mark single game, single season, all time in his first ever game better than Brock Bowers. You can quote me. No, please don't quote me on that. I'll get killed. <laughs> um, but no, he, be- I think the previous record holder was Adrian Jackson, who had like two catches for 59 yards in his career. And then after that, it wasn't really close. Um, before we get into Ken, I just want to say, I hope Adrian Jackson is doing well. I think I remember in his last game, uh, he was suffered one of the most serious injuries, or at least appeared to be on the field. He was down for quite a while, stretchered off into an ambulance. So, you know, I, I'm assuming Will played with him, so I hope he's doing well. Just want to think of him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't speak on how he's doing. Maybe Will can. Um, but, yeah, it was exciting to see tight ends out there. I was glad to see, as I alluded to earlier, uh, Preston Daniels um, get that big catch on the board because he had kind of a slow night production-wise, um, both him and Foster. Uh, I know you and I both wanted to see Foster get more touches, but, you know, other guys stepped up. So nothing to complain about there. I wanted to throw in one thing on the tight ends, just because uh, it's something that you don't see a lot at, at the college level, unless you're running like big bodied schemes, 
but I love the play action with the tight end coming across the backfield and just like sitting right there in the bottom, get those receivers out and set those blocks. Cause I think we did that a few different times and it, they're not huge plays, but it, it's just exciting to watch us like continue at least to be physical. I love that we play physical offensive football and it's not just constant, like deep passes. It's all precision based. Like, we like lowering a shoulder and, and, and putting guys on the ground on the offensive side. So that was, I just, I love seeing play action out of that with the tight ends. That got me excited. Yeah, kind of and, that Nick O'Leary action out of uh, Florida State a couple years ago. Just straight yep. up in the flats and 20 yards later. You know what I mean? That's, that's you exactly. know, good football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Will, um, you know, you played with some of these guys, man. Um, I'm sure you played with Isaac Foster. Um, I think everybody in the history of Kennesaw State football has played with Isaac Foster. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I'm sure you've played with Preston Daniels and know these guys personally to some extent. You know, uh, what's your take on them? You know, obviously not talking to them, perhaps, but, you know, moving to new positions. What are your thoughts on what you know about them and making the changes? So um, with Preston, you know, I think moving forward, they'll definitely use him in the same kind of ways. Um, you know, with a game like this, you got to kind of, assume that Tusculum kind of game plan for him. Um, Preston has been, you know, that that tough neck kind of down the middle guy for them for for probably since Rex Steiner left. So, um, you know, in, in my opinion, with his production, um, that'll come with time, um, you know, especially week one. You can't really expect everybody to be, you know, 100 percent or, or, you know, at start, you know, athlete of the week or um so, you know, that's my my opinion with Preston. And then with Isaac, um, I think his he's he's taken more of a patient kind of, you know, um, there were a couple of times I felt that he could have got the pitch, but, um, you know, maybe it wasn't there or, or maybe, you know, they just want to kind of ease him into it. Um, he's been with them for his entire career. And um, I know with, with his aspirations, um, he, he'll for sure have a great year, um, not only running the ball, but more than definitely receiving it. So, um, you know, both of those guys will be staples in the Kennesaw State offense, and we'll see them touch the rock at least five to ten times a game on on both, you know, running down the field and um, Preston maybe not so much receiving, but um, for sure, you know, rushing the ball at least five, ten times a game. Well, you why not get, get uh, Preston out in the flat? <laughs> Push him <laughs> hey, out there, do the same thing. Let's get that, Preston yeah, some exactly. space. <laughs> totally agree. Well, um, you mentioned Nick O'Leary, and I know you're from Tallahassee. I got to ask, are you still a Knowles guy? So I'll t- the truth about that is my mom's a Knowles, so by law, I'm a Knowles. Um, and, you know, speaking of that, they got a tough one against LSU later today, and that'll probably be a really good game. Not that I'm rooting for anybody. You know, I just want good football to be played. But, um, yeah, I'm, I think um, – you know, especially guys like that and, and kind of a a time where tight ends might not have been dying out, but people were looking to that fast kind of receiver. I think Nick O'Leary was one of those guys that was like, look, you know, speed is cool and all, but sometimes good old, you know, head down and, and stiff arms all you need. So, um, you know, it, it's good to see Kennesaw implement that. And I, I really think it'll be exciting. Um, not for this year, but, you know, for years to come as they recruit, you know, bigger, faster guys um, and make that transition to FBS. Absolutely. 
and jinx kai um and you know <laughs> as you mentioned just come point comes to mind coach klonakis did not recruit any of these guys like these are guys that are learning a new offense they're buying in he didn't say oh carson kent would be great in our offense no carson kent was the guy that was you know sitting there last year and if we're in the old offense this guy's probably a uh you know down a wide blocker receiver. down blocking, down blocking exactly. yep exactly so you know we're, we're kind of you know we're kind of using what we had and you know making uh lemonade out of some lemons and going forward Unless y'all got anything else to add on the offense, we can go ahead and talk about these uh, five forced turnovers we had on Thursday night. Well, forced. Into it. forced, yeah. Forced. <laughs> five, we'll say five turnovers. Anyway, yeah, uh, five turnovers, including uh, a weird fumble to start the game and then four interceptions. Um, a lot of these guys in the secondary are young. They had a big night. Uh, talk to me about what you saw out there, Will, um, and guys like Jerico Washington and how they impressed. I know Sidney Porter also had an interception. So, Yeah, I think defensively, um, Kennesaw State has always kind of been that turnover monster. And whether it's shown consistently, I can't speak to. But um, just from an offensive side, I know when the ball's you know either tipped or – even, you know, when running backs kind of got the ball a little loose, you know, Kennesaw State defensively is is being taught to rip that thing out, to play the ball aggressively and, and force that turnover. So I think that's just a testament to the coaching. Um, Coach Safford, and um, I'm not sure who the entire defensive staff is. He's just a guy that stands out to me. Um, but, you know, defensively, they've always kind of been ready for when there's an opportunity to take the ball from the offense. So um, that's, you know, that just shows, you know, automatically with, with week one and um, with, with some of the new guys, I think you said Washington, he's 11, correct? Yeah. I think, um, you know, it, the, in terms of the transition and. Um, I think Washington's Kansas, 28, no? I'm not, I, I have in my notes that 11 played good. So I, I, I don't know names too, you know, outside of some of those offensive guys. It was a pick party all around. Everybody got involved. Yeah. Everybody was having fun. Even, um, you know, Deontre Morris, I played with him and, you know, my honest, I remember, I think it was in practice. Um, and I think he might've covered me, you know, obviously I did my thing, but, um, I remember thinking like, he's, he's not bad. Like, you know, he's, and this is when he was a freshman. You know, he 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 was definitely impressive as a freshman. And now I think he's getting an opportunity to kind of showcase that on a on a starter level. Um, I think last year he 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 may not have started, but he he still made a couple plays and was able to. Okay, so yeah, I mean, even with um, you know, I was saying DeAndre, um, he's he's definitely always kind of been an a really good you know athlete, but now I think he's getting more of an opportunity to display that um on a on a you know trust with the coach level and and also kind of his own um personality whereas you know he's a force out there you know he's gonna talk and he's gonna back up what he's saying so um I, I was really impressed by him and then um 11 uh Porter um also liked what what I saw out of him just um his ability to kind of cover those deep balls and um I think that one pick he got I was like you know like he, he went and got that thing, you know, it wasn't uh, kind of like, Oh, he was already in position. You know, he really flew to the ball and, and really made a play where he was supposed to. So um, that's just a testament to their coaching. And, um, you know, they're going to be a really good unit um, even without chance gambler, um, 
the addition of, of linebacker, uh, I think it's, it's Garland. Garland is the linebacker. Um, and I just think all those guys will definitely, as time goes on, only get better and, um, you know, just make more of an impact. Yeah, and just going off of your point here about Sidney Porter, the guy was uh, guy is a veteran transfer we brought in from the NAIA ranks. I believe he was second team all NAIA last year. So, you know, he's the guy that the coaches brought in and expect to have an impact right away, and he is. And just for some clarification um, for, you know, listeners, uh, Jerico Washington, I believe, is number 28, who had the two interceptions, and I believe DeAndre Morris, number 25. Who had uh, almost pick six? Oh man! Almost. Uh, should we, Nick? Did you have anything to add? No, I was just gonna say that, like, light feet in that backfield. They are moving around. They're not just sticking to defenders. They are. They're just taking every opportunity they have. I mean, Will, Will, you said it best. Like, they were finding the ball, and it wasn't always at the receiver. And when you're quick on your feet, and you're not like just, I mean, they were not lead foot. That's that's. That's one thing you always get scared about in the secondary, and I did not see any of that, and that made me excited. Yeah. To uh, talk about that DeAndre Morris play, um, I really, really respected the way uh, Bo handled that uh, when he talked about it after the game. He was like, look, you know, I think he said verbatim shit happens. (laughs) You know, uh, it's a good thing it happened in a win, and it's a good thing we got on the ball and ended up scoring a touchdown. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, DeAndre was going to be the hardest on himself for that, you know, and he doesn't get credited with the touchdown, which is something he hasn't done yet in his career. Um, that that's being punishment. Said, exactly. I mean, that's, that's basically how, you know, Bo put it. Um, so, yeah. And I, I think, you know, I, I don't understand how this happens to guys. You know, every year we see it, various teams, you know, just. It happened we'll a couple times it. week one. It, it happened a couple times week one. That wasn't the only game it happened um, and it's just one of those things, you know, and I, it's never happened to me. I've always been kind of let it down in the back of the end zone, but it's, you know, you're running fast. There's nobody in front of you. You're, you're like, okay, I scored and you just let up. And honestly, it's, it's a mistake. And, and you can only expect that whoever did it, you know, DeAndre in this example, it won't happen again. He'll be, you know, the ball will be way up here or, he'll be sure to, you know, cross the plane before that ball is let go. And, you know, you can only expect that somebody does it. It it always happens. And every time it's just like, oh, you know, so I don't think it'll happen again. To him. I don't either. And I think if it does happen again, um, I think next time we see DeAndre on one of those easy pick sixes, I think he's going to be holding it. You know, he should make a joke out of it, like hold it like a baby. Never let yeah. it go, even Never. all the way to the sideline. Refuse to let go of the ball. Exactly. He's and, got six but, six career interceptions, so I'm sure we'll see him with the ball in his hands again. Yeah, he's going for the the record of 10, which is uh, Markeith Montgomery. So he's climbing there. <laughs> uh, but I did want to touch on uh, Jerico Washington, Jr., um, you know, he played for uh, Coach Rico Zachary, former KSU coach, who I think is the head coach at Westlake now um, in Atlanta. Um, I believe it was him, but one of those interceptions over the middle where he just, you know, took the ball away from the guy. That was probably more difficult than Porter's interception to me. I mean, I I just thought that was imp- I mean, looking at it and the replay, I thought he might have been down and, you know, might have been one of those plays. But, you know, it was ruled interception. So I'm going to give it to him. But that was impressive. What did you guys think of that one? 
it's kind of like what I said earlier, you know, those guys are being taught to play the ball, you know, if especially if they're in phase and, and your, you know, primary objective, which is covering the wide receiver is, is taken care of, go get the turnover, you know, and we can only hope to see more and more of that, especially as the, you know, difficulty in, in game um, increases with, um, you know, different opponents. I think um, Furman comes into town week three, week four. Week three. So, week three. Week, okay. Yeah. So, you know, um, they'll definitely, you know, be attacking that pitch. And I haven't, you know, done a ton of research on, you know, Furman or, or any of the other opponents they, um, you know, are going to have come and that they'll play. But, um, you know, especially with, with getting turnovers, those are huge, especially in, in tight ball games when, when you can get a turnover and, and stop an offense that relatively – hasn't, you know, lost the ball all game or, or, you know, quite frankly, all season. If um you're able to kind of control their tempo as well, you can do a lot of stuff off of that. So it was uh it was kind of funny seeing the play go to review um when it wasn't really a close call. It was just such a weird and impressive play that the officials are like, okay, we gotta take a look at this. <laughs> <laughs> Because everybody up in the box initially thought it was a catch. And then, you know, we see him roll over and he's got the ball. And we're like, oh, shoot, you know, what a play. So, yeah, I didn't know if he was down or what. And to be honest with you, a lot of my attention on this game was still trying to look at all the numbers and who's playing and who's not. So, um, full disclosure, my attention wasn't where it probably usually is, especially this season. I want to be able to tell you guys something that you can't get anywhere else, like who's playing and who's not playing. So, you know, that's on me. If it was a clear interception, I'll take the I'll take the hit for that. Absolutely. Um, so I think we've covered the defense pretty well. Um, I know there were a few points of concern in this game, you know, regardless of score and how the game went. We talked about the O-line a little bit. Um, but one thing I want to talk about was the lack of production out of our running backs. Um, it was a split of Benefield and Clemens for most of the game, and neither of them averaged more than like I think four and a half yards per carry. Um so is that will was that something that you think was a cause for concern or was that just kind of the flow of the game on Thursday night? Completely flow of the game things. Um, you know, I think you guys kind of hinted at it a couple times already, but you know, they had a surprisingly larger, you know, defensive line that um, you know, Kennesaw, especially in the run game, depends on movement of that defensive tackle and um, you know, once they get to that linebacker level, it's kind of a, you know, a draw. But when you when you factor in the fact that, you know, you, you can't get past the first level and then those linebackers start to, you know, touch on you a little bit, I think that it makes things difficult. But, um, you know, as for, you know, this being a concern, I don't think that we we have to worry about it too much just because, you know, week one vibes and then, um, yeah, exactly. You got to get that push up front and, that that comes with time as, as guys get more and more comfortable firing off and they find guys that can, you know, move people the way they need them to. So um, instead of it being, a, you know, a two or a three yard gain, you're starting to see, you know, eight and, and you know, hopefully you can just run a, a normal zone kind of concept and, and get a first down. And, you know, that's not what you expect when you run a normal zone. You're, you're normally – looking for about four or five yards, you know, just something to get some space for second down. But now you you look at, um, 
you know, making a, a real impact in the running game. Now you don't really have to rely on 55 yard strikes to, you know, Blake Bohannon and, and, and slips to the uh, tight end. Um, and then even, you know, like, like I said, I don't think it's a big problem. Um, I think guys will get more and more comfortable. They got a really um, veteran group up there, T-Packs, I think super senior, and then James Dawson. So a lot of those guys know what to do and, and how to get it done. So as, as soon as they, you know, really get comfortable in, in this new scheme and, and firing off and moving guys the way they need to, um, the running game will be the same. 200, 300 yards a game on a whim. And I think some of that also is, you know, Murphy making some better reads as well to maybe spring some big plays. Uh, perhaps there were a few he missed. Um, I did want to, um, you know, shout out. Uh, I thought the big, perhaps one of the biggest plays of the game or, you know, underrated plays was in, was Michael Benefield. Um, when we were pinned deep, uh, he broke a tackle or two, got to the outside and got that big first down to kind of help get us out of that terrible field position. So, you know, I don't think it was all bad from the running back room. Um, I didn't see any guys that are like, oh, man, this guy's an NFL, you know, prospect. Um, but, you know, Yosiah Clemens showed, you know, he has a little shakiness to him. Um, you know, Benefield made some good plays. So I think we're going to be OK there. Um, like, like Will said, it's all a matter of how the other guys do around him to kind of get those yards, too. It is good to see Clemens out there with that role, just knowing his story as a guy who joined as a walk-on and earned his way towards a scholarship. So definitely yeah. a, a fan favorite. And, you know, now the best part about moving to FBS, we don't have to do any of that conjecture of, okay, is this guy a 25% walk-on? Is he a 50% walk-on? Well, he has a scholarship. You're, congratulations, Josiah. You know, I don't know how it works this year, but at least next year you're on full scholarship. So <laughs> You know, that makes it easy for us fans and especially us that, you know, me and Kai, we try to track this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, another thing, speaking of runs that we haven't talked about yet, uh, freshman quarterback Davis Bryson got in the end zone for the first time in his career, um, which was very encouraging to see, uh, knowing that, you know, we're probably going to have a QB competition next season. I think that he really kind of um, splashed onto the scene there because there was a moment where he scored. They mm -hmm. called it back for holding, and what does he do again? The next play, same thing, same exact blocking scheme, same exact, you know, results. So I think that moments like that really kind of show you how good of a player he is, um, not only with his speed, but, you know, his decision-making. Um, we didn't get to see him throw the ball any, did we? I think he threw that ball to – uh, yeah, he had – yeah. One, okay, one so, throw for 30 yards, I think. It was the Preston yeah. Daniels play, right? Not entirely sure. I was just going through the box score. Um, at that at that point, I was just drifting off into dreamland. So, um, <laughs> no, uh, I'm not entirely sure. But, yeah, I thought he I thought he looked legitimate, too. You know, kind of like I mentioned earlier with Carson Kent. You know, you get a first look at some guys, no matter the opponent. Sometimes you can just tell, okay, this guy kind of seems legit. And I think Davis um, – redshirted last year so we have an opportunity to see him quite a bit and i hope we see him quite a bit even if murphy's playing well because we're going to need him next year when murphy's gone um and quick side point um his name is davis bryson but he has two first names or two last names so how many you know how many announcers are going to call him bryson davis <laughs> right i uh i almost slipped up and wrote him as bryson davis so you know what happens Yes, we got we got lots of Brysons in this program. Bryson Armstrong. I think we had another Bry Bryson Perry. I'm probably missing one too. So, 
you know, it's going to yeah. happen. It's just a matter of who makes this mistake first. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more thing we have to touch on is the only other unit we haven't gone in depth on, which is the special teamers. Uh, we talked a little bit about Hewitt and the game he had. Um, the punt team seemed a little bit uncomfortable. It seemed like there were a few balls that we could have pinned deep that, you know, rolled into the end zone, which was unfortunate. Nick shaking his head. I know he <laughs> had a great view of all that. Oh, those those gunners got to get down the field. That's the one thing I really would love to see the special teams get better at is those gunners got to get off those blocks, get down the field of that ball. Because, I mean, the punter dropped two balls down there in the end zone and one and they they took decent hops before they rolled in. So uh, that's one thing I hope that I see uh, better next time on special teams. But, yeah. And I really think. Oh, go ahead, Kai. I was going to say I was going to transition to Cummins, but yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that part of that is definitely going to be um, the red shirt game, like special teamers. You know, these are guys that a lot of them aren't going to be, you know, your everyday regular players, but you know, they're still great athletes, runners that can get down the field as gunners. Um, and who knows how many of those guys we didn't have this week. I'm sure we had a bunch of mis- misfits out of place guys just doing their best. You know, I'm hoping next week for Chattanooga, we're going to see something tremendously different, different guys out there. And Will, I mean, you're kind of, you know, you know all about this, right? Like, you know, what's the difference between putting in some, you know, third string gunners versus, you know, some higher up, more senior players? So um, there's there's a risk involved with, you know, special teams being one of those. You have to, you know, no matter what side um, you're on, you're going to have to, you know, apply yourself a little bit. So it brings to that point where, you can't put a guy that you necessarily depend on, you know, offensively or defensively, but rather a guy that's trying to, you know, prove himself. And um, I mean, I I had to make a name for myself on special teams, running down on kickoff. And I think that'll, um, that'll kind of be regardless of whomever it's just, it's always going to be, you know, kind of a want thing who wants it more. And with, you know, guys performing well or, or not so well on it, you'll kind of see that the guys that are really making an impact kind of move into their, their you know, naturally, um, I guess the position they came to play, but kind of guys that may struggle or, or, you know, that you probably, you know, haven't heard of yet, you'll find that they'll rotate them as the season goes and until they find a really good solution for, kickoff and, and punt and um you know I think punt return and, and kick return maybe you know you put a guy with some skill back there to field it but outside of those two slots you know everybody else has kind of got to just want it and um be able to play that position especially because that's you know a phase of the game nobody really you know touches on and you know, probably has the biggest effect on the football game with, you know, positioning for, you know, when the offense comes out. So, um, yeah, it's, you just got to see guys want it more. And um, as time goes on, I think we'll we'll see who wants it and, and guys that really prove themselves start to, you know, show themselves on defense or offense. So, yeah, it's, it's still just um, a, a big, you know, who can play kind of moment right now but i expect by week three week four maybe that there's a a a set um roster depth chart for that um you know those spec teams yeah and we've seen in the past you know true freshmen can make a difference look at bronson or Steiner. i i remember watching him from the sideline just running down the field on kickoffs just because i i want to see him blow somebody up 
like, you know, and again, you have all these true freshmen that came, just came to campus, you know, that were playing redshirt roulette with. So how many of those guys, those guys are probably especially hungry to get on the field and make a name for themselves. You know, like I think Hargrove or whatever his name is, I think the linebacker, I think he's like an athletic freak. You know, we there's guys that we we want to see. And I want to, I kind of want to put a, let's pay attention on specials next week against uh, Chattanooga. Let's see who can make that difference. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's, yeah. I was going to say that's what's good about, you know, getting Tuscal in week one is you can kind of iron these things out and have a little bit of margin for error. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I want to make a side note about the other punt team. I want to call out um, Tusculum's equipment staff. Uh, they need to get their punter a smaller jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody else noticed that, but uh, I don't know if he had it tied up, but that thing was uh, was way too big for that kid. That might be a style. He might like kind of the long kind of jersey thing going for him i'm not the sure tall but... t- the tall tees you know how I mean? you know i'm old what we used to do back well and back in the day everybody used to wear their tees down to their knees but then again you know that was the era where everybody wore pink tees down to their knees so it probably is not a good idea to go back to that so <laughs> can't that run that get in the way of your, exactly it might get in the way you're kicking like too so <laughs> <laughs> that's a secondary concern besides the style but sure i guess Maybe, maybe. All right. Uh, one other thing to talk about on special teams is Connor Cummins, who I sympathize with um, as somebody who was a high school kicker. Um, he misses his first two, but I don't think you can really hold it against him. You know, he goes out and he misses one from, I think, like 30, 35. It hits the upright, you know, first kick of the year. It happens. We recover. And then I was a little disappointed that they sent him out for that 54 yarder. Cause it's like, okay, you know, he shouldn't be expected to be automatic from 50 plus yards. You know, that's a tough kick for anybody. It's a tough kick at the highest level. Um, you know, he misses it short and then it's like, okay, he's over two. And now his confidence might be rattled. Um, but you know, they stuck with him as they should. He goes out, he's perfect the rest of the night. So uh, it was good to see him get his head straight. Yeah. I, you know, I'm just, I, I Bo did it, you know, just to give him a shot. I mean, he's done it before. So, you know, it's it's not completely out of his realm. It's not like the guy's range is 40 and he's setting him out to kick 50 just to be a jerk. Right. Um, you know, he wanted to see how he reacts, knowing it is Tusculum. Um, perhaps in a different game, he doesn't do that. Um, but, you know, Connor Cummins, I'm sure he knows he needs to be better moving forward. Um, but yeah, kicking game is, is still a, a big concern for us. And, you know, I think it's as far, as long as I've been following Kennesaw State, even if we have kickers that earn pre-conference honors or whatnot, you know, the kicking at this level has never been, you know, great for most teams. You know, I, I just don't feel that level of comfort where a guy can come in within 35, 40 yards and just, you know, we have that confidence. And that's also, you know, part of the game, right? Long snapper, a holder. There's It's more than just the kicker. So we don't want to, you know, I don't know what happened on those snaps. I don't want to single out Cummins as it, all his fault. So but that's something that, you know, the special teams will have to look into. Right. Uh, one uh, play and player I know we want to shout out and talk about before we uh, go ahead and wrap this up is uh, track star Tykeem Wallace, who broke the seal for us in that second quarter, um, outrunning the entire Tusculum defense. John, I know you're excited to talk about Tykeem. Yeah, that throw was just tremendous by Murphy right on the money. Um, I don't think, you know, we gave that enough love on this uh, podcast today. Um, and, you know, obviously Wallace is an athletic mismatch for pretty much anybody on Tusculum, but, you know, he, he proved it. Um, he's also on the Kennesaw state track and field team. 
And he kind of showed why he easily got a couple steps ahead and made the march to the end zone. So, you know, I'm excited to see if Mr. Wallace is going to be a player going forward, if this is a uh, one hit wonder or what's going to happen with him. I think that, um, you know, outside of just using him offensively, they they may, you know, find a role for him returning punts and kicks. So um, obviously that's speed. I mean, it was on display today that he can easily, you know, within three or, or five steps, get behind somebody and, and make them pay for it. So um, regardless of, you know, their, their other offensive weapons and um, Foster, uh, Daniels, and, you know, Murph himself, but um, just, you know, as a, as a way to, you know, get a spark, um, he could be one of those guys. They just, you know, give him the ball out to the sideline and, and let him run and, and see what happens. You know, um, I don't, I don't know if he started or played a lot of reps, but I do know he, he made an impact when he was in the game. So um, I guess time will tell, huh? Yeah. And we have a lot of these leftover, I call them leftover, but leftover slots, um, you know, Isaac yeah, Foster, yeah. Uh, Gabriel Benyard, who didn't play guys that can, re- you know, Tykeem Wallace, you know, guys that are pretty much just brought in basically for their speed overall. So, you know, I feel like there's ways to get these guys the ball and some quick hits, some screens, some, you know, end arounds, any, anything we can do to get these type of guys, the ball will, I think, help us out a lot. Right. And with Foster leaving next year, you know, you're going to have to look for somebody to replace that, you know, kick return, yeah. punt return role. So hundred percent. Um, Enough about the game. It was a great crowd and announced 10,000 people or over 10,000 people. Um, the thing I want to ask Will and Nick, since they were down, um, you know, at field level, uh, was it loud? Because I know there were people there, you know, uh, <laughs> I I couldn't really hear it because the windows were closed. But yeah, how was the atmosphere? How was the engagement? Um, I, I really liked um it didn't feel like 10,000, maybe because there wasn't um, as, you know, that rivalry aspect or, or it wasn't so much as a a big game outside of just being the first home game. So I didn't think it was as loud as it needed to be, especially for you know 10,000 in attendance. I will say that, you know, there were moments where you felt that roar from the crowd, um, you know, after a big play from the Owls. So, um it's it's just kind of those you know we can be louder but also there there wasn't much of a reason to be loud so um I expect that you know once we play larger and and bigger schools and they bring their crowd there's going to be more of a a reason that you know fans are excited and um you know there was a fireworks show so I think this first game might have just been to you know get people to come but um, you know, as the season progresses, we'll we'll see that you know people are coming for for football and not just to you know hang out or, or see their friends or take pictures, but rather than you know just to support the owls and and cheer loud and and really make you know Fifth Third Bank kind of rock and and intimidate you know teams that try to come in and yeah, that's my that's just how I see it though. And piggybacking on that, I love saying piggybacking, it's my word of the day. Um, what concerns me, though, is this game was a Thursday night game. A lot of the other ones, we're going to have to be competing with college football on Saturday. So, you know, if judging by the past is how it goes forward, you know, my optim- my optimism is a bit low. 
Uh, but this kind of shows, I think, why Conference USA in the future is trying to have those Tuesday through Thursday, you know, midweek games on ESPN, man. We can, you know, we can pack the place, um, you know, if we can get a game on ESPN, even if it's just a, a Wednesday night thing versus school that, you know, half the students have never heard of. Fine. Whatever. That's exciting. That's new. National television. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I know, you know, I watched from home, um, so I didn't see too much. Um, but I know that Nick, uh, as part of the band, you know, he was on the sidelines and can really, you know, add some perspective to this. So, uh, just from being on the field, like looking around, you could tell it was a very large crowd, but I think, uh, I do think that will put it best when he said like, it didn't just, it didn't have that large crowd feel to it. And that might've just been circumstantial, but the band, um, I'll tell you the band was into that game more than I thought they would be. They had they had their usual fun as they normally do, and uh, um, gosh, that this is actually the uh, the largest uh, band that we've put on the field in uh, KSU history too, and and they sound really good, and it seems like the, uh, the crowd enjoyed the shows and everything. So that was exciting from our perspective, and also for any of the football players that may or may not be listening to the episode, shout out to you guys for coming over after the game and, uh, and hanging out with us for a second. Cause that was a lot of fun too. They came over and did the fight song with the band, but the, the being in front of the band, my perspective is always skewed. Cause I'm just listening to people scream absolute nonsense. That doesn't make any sense. Like when we were down seven, nothing at one point, someone like someone started a mid chant and they were all just chanting mid at one of the running backs who just got blown up in the backfield. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, guys, uh, like, I know this isn't the situation. It's not going to be the situation for the whole game, but, but we, we are losing at the moment. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's pull it back a little bit, <laughs> but no, the, uh, I think on that that end of it, the the band is is really motivated this year. They're excited to be moving up uh, with the football team and have uh, more eyes on them. And uh, I I think they're going to want to make a difference too. So uh, be listening for uh, the band to start up some fun chants outside of just the war chant, which roared in that stadium. Which I was, was going to say, y'all sounded great, and then the uh, that owl formation you guys had pregame looked really good. So That's, they they redid pregame. They actually rewrote the entire thing. They added Georgia, so that was fun. But yeah, no, yeah, good, good time. Um, yeah, I know I know nothing about the band, but I was impressed. So, and you know, again, great job by the band. We appreciate those guys adding some flavor to the game. And also, uh, he's I'm going to say it, guys, piggybacking on what Nick said. Um, you know. Any student athletes that are listening to this, football players, thank you. Because if you just heard that Nick thanked you, that means you're listening an hour into the podcast. So double <laughs> thank you for sticking around there. Um, you know, the attendance was announced at like over 10,000. The the fifth third capacity is somewhere listed between like 80, what, 8,000 to 9,000, depending on who you ask. Um, my first thought is, you know, they moved the student section, so maybe they never counted the bleachers to begin with, and now they can count the seats that are previously occupied by students as part of the attendance. Um, I don't know. Uh, my theory is that they opened up those the student section seats, and they took as many small infants and counted how many they can line up side by side. Um, and then squish them together a little bit to count the the maximum. No, then I realized they would need infant seats. They can't hold themselves up. And I said, that, no, John, that's bad. You can't do that. And then I said, okay, 
how many Olsen twins can we fit into the student section? And that's when I kind of started to calculate the numbers. So that's my first thoughts. That, the old student section was actually occupied by all of the Flight 27 students for this game. So they had students on both end zones. That I don't think will be the case going forward and it will be paid. But I'm curious to see what it looks like when you start getting the general admission seating out there and how it packs in because that both end zones were pretty full with students. I don't know um, how much of it had to do with the game being closed for a while, but it was encouraging to see about half of the uh, Flight 27 crowd stick around for most of that game. Agreed. I also want to comment on one more thing, um, unrelated to attendance, but, uh, you know, shout out to the usual Chicken Littles on uh, on Twitter who, you know, we're getting, uh, we're losing to Tusculum, you know, 10 minutes into the game, you know, they're messaging like, oh my God, we suck. The world is ending. We can't even beat a D2 team. Like, guys, chill. Like, you don't, like, you're not, you don't even know the situation of the game with, like, the red shirts and stuff like that. You're just, just, just stop. Right. Yeah. I mean, we won. We won big. So nobody will remember. That's all that's important. Yes. Let's save the chicken littling for <laughs> a time that actually requires chicken littling so we can have that, you know, that built up into the bank you know what i mean let's save our chicken little dollars and spend them later when it matters absolutely so uh if you want to get a preview of next week's opponent chattanooga does play tonight i guess that won't be relevant when this podcast goes up in two days but if you want to you know watch highlights or watch a replay <laughs> or whatever chattanooga does play north alabama tonight a familiar opponent of ours um north alabama's and one i think they lost to mercer the previous week but yeah, we play them next week on Saturday at 6 p.m., if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'll be making the trip up there. John, I know you will too. Nick, I'm guessing you will as well. I am uh, potentially, but some things could change. I, I know there's a lot of stuff in motion right now, so we'll see what happens. Gotcha, gotcha. How about, will. How about you, Will? I'll definitely be in attendance. Um, like I said earlier, I, I really enjoyed watching um, – Instead of, you know, being on the grass, I think it's it's important that um, I find ways to still be involved just because, um, you know, I, I care for that. I, I definitely want to see them succeed, not only this season, but as they make their, you know, trek in the FBS. So um, I, I, I can't say that, you know, I'll travel and, and be a part of the, the whole um I forget what they call it, but a part of the travel crew for their away games. But I can say for, you know, each home game, um, I'd love to make it to. And hopefully they can hook me up with some, you know, like press tickets or something to get on the field maybe. And, and I can do both. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it being back after a few years and um, definitely want to go watch more. So some yeah. next week. Uh, and we, I love to see it. Active alum like Will, you know, and if any uh, former football players are listening, uh, we would love to have you on our podcast. Um, you know, send us a Mirkai a note um, and we'll talk about, you know, there's there's no real requirements. You know, we're just having some fun here uh, with Will. You know, there's you know no you know, you don't have to change up your whole lifestyle or schedule to join us. You can choose <laughs> what you want to do. So, yeah, just send us a DM and um but but yeah, I as far as the Chattanooga game goes, I tonight tonight's Chattanooga game versus uh, North Alabama, um, or I guess it'll be uh, Saturday's Chattanooga game for those listening. I want to see Chattanooga win um, because to me, if 
North Alabama wins this game, and especially if they win this game decisively, it kind of takes a little bit of air out of my sails for next week because then it's going to be like, okay, so we beat Chattanooga. Okay, great. Are we really that good? They lost to North Alabama, you know? So I want to be able to say, okay, well, Chattanooga looks pretty solid this year. They crushed North Alabama. You know, I we, we don't really have that barometer yet. It's so early of how good the Owls are and can be, so. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Uh, and also, you don't want them with that bad taste in their mouth, you know, being like, okay, we got to get right. It's okay. We got Kennesaw coming in next week. <laughs> you know, we don't want to be the get right game. We want this to be battle of undefeateds. Hello, everyone. Update from the production booth the next day. UNA beat Chattanooga 41 to 27. So, yeah, uh -huh. um, unless y'all got anything else to add, I can go ahead and take us out for the week. Yeah, you got you got anything, Will? Um, just shout out to you guys, man. I mean, um, I remember back when, you know, before I even became involved with Kennesaw, I, I followed John and um, just loved seeing that he was so honest in his opinion um, of the games and of the school and, um, you know, flashback to all back then, you know, maybe it was kind of just something you did on your side, but it's, it's great to see now you're, you're starting the podcast covering it weekly and, um, you know, just kind of growing and, and spreading that, that owl awareness, because I mean, outside of, you know, UGA and Georgia tech, everybody's like, you know, there's more football in Georgia and, and there's plenty of it. You know, you'll find that um, Kennesaw's track record has been, you know, probably one of the higher, um, if not on the level of North Dakota states, you know, really always kind of been improving by year. One conference, um, I think three times before we moved today, son. Was it three? It was so, three. Yeah, Sounds right to me. I've lost yeah. track. That's a good thing. <laughs> I, I was a part of two of them. That's all I know. I, um, I think, yeah, my um, when I was recruited, they won that year. And then I think we won the next year is that. So, um, yeah, just saying, you know, I've, I've always enjoyed watching you and, and give you, uh, you giving your opinion on um, Kennesaw State football. It's needed. And, um, yeah, um, I'm definitely excited to, to see how the season goes and, um, you know, what other names we get to talk about and, who else kind of, um, you know, in, involves themselves and, and future players that come and talk on this podcast. So, um, yeah, just just really excited. And, um, yeah, just want to shout out to you guys, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate the kind words, first off. Uh, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. You know, I still, you know, it's still just a side gig. Um, me and Kai, <laughs> we don't make any money on this at all. Um, we do it for fun. Obviously, if we got paid and did it full time, I guarantee you our podcast would be a little bit better, a little bit more detail or oriented. Um, like, you know, we're putting in some effort, though. I'm getting a, a I just ordered a mic on Amazon. So that'll okay. hopefully be here by the next one. So we're trying to we're trying to step up little by little, make it a little better yeah. each week. So I do, we do appreciate that. Well, we've enjoyed having you. Um, we want to, you know, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, hope maybe even next week if you want to do that. Um, <laughs> again, football players, you know, KSU alums, man, even super fans, you know, reach out to us. You know, we want this to be, you know, a part of, you know, KSU, you know, people that are passionate. You know, if, if you're, you know, an outgoing person, you think like, hey, man, I can be entertaining or I can give a good opinion. Reach out. Let's see. Let's talk. I'm I'm here for it. Absolutely. So. Just John, hot you takes know? though. <laughs> Not, <hot> takes <laughs> Not yet. Central. We'll start a hot takes <laughs> section on every podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
But anyway, I was going to say, we've already come a long way. John just started, you know, a few months ago. It was just you and I with no video on a call, you know, just kind of rambling about basketball rotations and whatnot. And now we got, <laughs> now, now we got four people on at once and uh, we've got people buying in. Uh, so, Will, I want to give you um, the Owl Chat podcast deepest thank yous for coming on. I think I speak for all of us. Yes. Uh, when we say we loved having you on, we would love to have you on in the future. Um, but thank yeah. You, thank you. Most important yeah. thing right now is we are one and know. Um, and we will see you guys for the midweek episode on Wednesday. So cue the outro. Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU Owl Howl and at Big Owl Blog. You can also view additional content on BigOwlBlog.com. And be sure to join the online community of Owl fans at ksuowlhowl.com slash forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!